Welcome to the Scoop and Score podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? You ticklish morgoon. Bye-bye. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week 11 of the college football season. If you're a Notre Dame fan, it's been a good week so far, although if you're a fan of college football in general, things are getting uh, a little a little more precarious by the moment, getting live updates uh, as I'm getting ready to record this podcast, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure to keep an eye out um, for, for any news during the recording, but at this point we've got four SEC games that are not going to be played this coming weekend. Uh, just received word that Ohio State and Maryland will not uh, be playing this coming weekend. So certainly a lot of concern there. Hopefully uh, hopefully the COVID situation can get under control throughout the entire country and within college football. I mean, I guess might as well just tackle it quickly up front. But, um, I, you know, I had heard, uh, I had heard Stuart Mandel uh, from The Athletic mention pretty early on that one concern could be once once a team season, you know, is no longer headed toward the playoffs or anything like that, you know, it would be really easy for a bunch of college kids to just stop uh, stop taking everything in terms of the protocols quite so seriously. And and I can't really say I blame anyone in that situation. And, and it's just obviously it has a ripple effect throughout college football, uh, which can definitely be a problem. And I think we're seeing that play out a little bit uh, in the SEC in particular. Uh, the Big Ten, it, it sounds like uh, the breakout is is uh, is at Maryland, not at Ohio State. Um, but I think it's just important to remember that uh, the the Big Ten in general was playing with really no margin for error, um, no no bye weeks, no opportunities to reschedule games. So for everyone that's pretty much been penciling Ohio State into one of those playoff spots, it's important to remember with with this cancellation, they're now go- they are now down to a seven game uh, regular season. Um, you know, for, for contrast, Clemson is already seven and one on the season. Notre Dame is seven and zero. Notre Dame has completed a more impressive regular season right now than Ohio state is going to be able to complete in the, their entirety of the season. So this is just something to remember going forward that, you know, if, if one or two more games get knocked off, I just don't see any chance, um, of say like a six and zero Ohio state, uh, being able to, um, you know, do enough in the committee's eyes to get into the playoff. But again, we're a long way away from that. Uh, we could be seeing outbreaks in in other conferences and with other teams. So who knows where where everyone will be, um, you know, come come mid-December when the, the committee will be releasing its rankings. But, uh, but hopefully everything gets under control a little better than it is right now. Um, certainly uh, as a college football fan, you know, the season's going pretty well. Obviously, there have been some issues, but uh, would really just be great to kind of keep this keep this going and and have uh, have some normalcy um, going forward. And uh, and I can say that especially because my team is in pretty good shape. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably watched the Notre Dame Clemson game. I don't need to uh, I don't need to dive into any of the details of uh, of the play by play. Or anything like that, but boy, it's just—it's a different feeling for us Notre Dame fans, uh, especially those around my age that, you know, maybe were were alive for '93 Florida State, um, but but don't have the memories of it, or or going back to '88 or '77 or '73, anything like that. Um, you know, for for 
fans of a certain age, how many times have we been in that spot before? You know, how, how many times had we looked good, taken the lead, and then somewhere stubbed our toe? I mean, seeing, you know, it started in, in the first quarter. You left some points on the field. Um, you know, the false start uh, on the fourth and one that would have been a touchdown ends up being a field goal. Later on, drop touchdown pass, end up settling for a field goal. And, you know, me and my friends that I'm with, we're, we're all just saying right off the bat, well, that's eight points we've left out there. And, and <laughs> I don't know if all fan bases are like that, but it certainly seems like we knew every point was going to matter. You know, I, I certainly, a, a saying of mine, I do love yelling, it doesn't have to be close. You know, you get out to an early lead. Let's say you go up 14 nothing. It doesn't have to be close. When you're playing a truly great team like Clemson, it does have to be close. That game was always going to be close. So to leave points on the field hurt. Uh, certainly um, coming down to the wire, you know, Ian Book fumbles the ball through into the end zone, um, recovered by Clemson. And at that point, just a collective sinking feeling, you know, a feeling that uh, has been felt so many times before um, and and certainly felt it again. But this team just found a way, um, you know, they, they found a way through a, a picked up pass interference flag, which I've truly never seen anything like it. Uh, I, I guess good for Dabo for working the refs, but to see a pass interference flag thrown, you know, then see the replay and it was probably a good call. I mean, it was certainly bang, bang, but I think, you know, if you just showed someone the replay and said, is this pass interference? Yes or no. I think most people are saying yes. And they've thrown the flag and then to pick it up and say no pass interference. I've never seen that happen in a football. I've seen it, you know, determined that it was uncatchable or, you know, you come together and say, oh, the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. That's not pass interference. I've never just seen a judgment call made by a ref be picked up on a pass interference like that. But uh, and and while we're on the refs, it was a truly great game. Both teams came ready to play. Both coaching staffs did a great job. Those refs did not belong on the field with those players. They did a horrible job. I talk about this a couple times a year. I don't know why college the college replay system is so bad. The NFL gets it right every single time when they go to replay. You can argue about Dez's catch and what's a catch and all that. That's that's an argument about what the rules of a catch are. They get the calls right every time. In college, it seems like sometimes they fail to review something. When they do review something, they, they see it wrong the first time. They have to review it a second time to get it right. They review things that are so clear and obvious. It's, why are we wasting our time? It's out of control. These guys don't deserve a paycheck. They really don't. You can't be that bad at your job and get to keep your job. They use the replay as a crutch, and it's a broken crutch. It should be a last resort to fix problems. They're using it as a primary tool in their job, and they're using it very poorly. But I'll move off the rest because it was an awesome game. This is this is a time for celebration if you're a Notre Dame fan. What's really important, uh, looking ahead to a potential conference championship game rematch, and I should note, um, with the win... Notre Dame can afford a loss here uh, down the stretch, and they'll still be um, in control of their own destiny to get into the uh, the ACC championship game. Um, and looking ahead to that game, obviously Clemson will be stronger. Uh, they they will have Trevor Lawrence back, although <laughs> I don't know that he's going to throw for uh, 
is he going to re-break the record that DJ Uyunglele just broke of most passing yards ever against Notre Dame? Uh, but they sh- they should be uh, stronger in the middle of their defense, getting some injured players back. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, you look at that game, and there are two things that really stand out. One, you won without playing a perfect game. As as we said, you left 15 points on the field out there. Granted, you stole some points back. Uh, most notably, Jeremiah Usukormo stole some points directly. Um, just took the ball away and scored, but you won without being perfect. And the way that you won can be replicated. You dominated the line of scrimmage. That's huge because that can be done again. There was nothing fluky about the win. Notre Dame was the better team on that particular night. I'm not saying they are the better team, but they were the better team on Saturday night and the way they won can be duplicated. That is absolutely huge. And now when they're both on the field, the Notre Dame players are going to know that they can do it. There's going to be no fear there. And I just, let's fast forward to that um, because, boy, I am really excited for that potential matchup. I mentioned uh, the the Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa fumble return for a touchdown. I can't, uh, I can't let Fowler give his soundbite because the ball never touched the ground. We have strict rules about what is a scoop and score and what is not here at the Scoop and Score podcast. This play is my personal favorite play in Notre Dame history, I think. Um, of course, so many Notre Dame fans would go back to the, the Zibikowski punt return against USC, which I've always just thought we lost. Like, I, I, yes, it's an amazing thing, but we lost the game. How can this be like the play that people go back to? Um, you know, certainly I remember as a student uh, in the stands, the 95-yard touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph uh, to take the lead on Michigan. But, you know, then again, Denard Robinson just moved right down the field and, and won the game in the next 90 seconds. So uh, that one doesn't work either. This one, when you're going back, and I say you're going back because I assume everyone does this because I do it, and you're going back and just watching certain plays on YouTube to get yourself fired up, you know, in the in the middle of the spring when you're six, seven months from college football, this is going to be number one on the list for such a long time. And looking back, it certainly looked like it was supposed to be a halfback pass. Travis Etienne was likely throwing that ball to a wide-open receiver. But boy, you need a better plan to block Jeremiah Uzukoromoa than sliding over a guard that is not even close to getting there. And the fact that he capped it off with the touchdown, absolutely crucial, because as I mentioned, Notre Dame was going to and was having a hard time converting red zone trips into touchdowns. They limited Travis Etienne, the most important thing they could do. They did it. 18 carries, 28 yards, just an unbelievable performance. I just, this is what makes college football so special. I talk about it a lot, but that game, and we'll get into Notre Dame playing BC and and what could go wrong this coming weekend, but no matter what happens with the rest of this season, this is the kind of game that Notre Dame fans are never going to forget. It was a truly thrilling time. Whoever you were watching with, you it was it was just a time of celebration. You don't get that in other sports for regular season games. You know, there, there's very rarely the NFL game that you look back and point to and say, you know, remember what a big deal that was. I mean, we all remember that, like, Chiefs-Rams regular season game two years ago on Monday night because it was awesome. But it wasn't like, I mean, I, I think the Chiefs won. I, I truly, I can't even tell you which one of those two teams won the game. 
because it's not, it's just not as big a deal. In college football, you can have these single game moments that are just so critical. And that is what we have here. This is the first truly enormous win of my life as an RAM fan. And that is awesome. Of my, of my fandom, I should say, because 93 was a big deal. I just, uh, I got left home for that one. I don't remember it. We'll get into the big picture of the playoff scenarios and everything like that. I don't know if we'll talk about it later on in this episode or we'll wait a week. I don't, maybe I don't want to jinx things by talking about the playoffs just because who knows uh, how many more games might uh, might get canceled between now uh, and the time I press post on this. But uh, I will just, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Looking back on uh, the rest of the action from last week, uh, that Friday night that I promised you would be exciting, it was pretty exciting, although uh, not necessarily in the ways we predicted. Miami had a uh, had a nice fourth quarter comeback against NC State, uh, and then BYU really flexed its muscles against Boise State, um, 51-17 final there, and it really wasn't even that close quarterback Zach Wilson for BYU is the real deal. Um, A lot of talk, obviously, about the top guys this year, whether it's uh, Lawrence or Fields. Um, You know, Mac Jones obviously doing what he's doing at Alabama. But uh, Zach Wilson, along with the guy I'm about to talk talk about next, uh, Kyle Trask at Florida, are really excellent quarterbacks uh, and and deserve uh, quite a bit of praise for what they're doing with their teams this year. I mentioned Trask at Florida. that game pretty much went how I expected. Florida's got a really dangerous offense, and they showed it against Georgia. Um, assuming they can keep rolling, I think it should be a really fun shootout in the SEC championship game uh, when they eventually meet up with Alabama. Really nice win uh, by Florida there. Will be interesting to see. I don't know if we have an update. Uh, Kyle Pitts was knocked out with a really vicious helmet-to-helmet contact Uh in this game, I don't know what his status is coming up for this Saturday. Um, so that was uh, that was one picked winner on the week. Uh, Arizona State uh, also covered against USC. Really should have uh, paid off on the on the potential money line tip, but uh, they clearly have never practiced fielding an onside kick before. And uh, and Keaton Slovis led a couple late scoring drives to steal a victory there. Um, in terms of USC, Slovis is awesome. I'm still unsure about their wet, uh, weapons around him. I know Brew McCoy, uh, the big transfer, finally got into game action. I just I don't know. They don't have uh, they don't have the Juju Smith Schuster or the Robert Woods or some of those other guys that they've had in recent years. It's just uh, it's it's just not there from a from an explosive weapon uh, perspective. Uh, but but they do hang on or really come back and get the win there. And lastly, North Carolina blew out Duke, so I did get back on the. Back on that horse, we went 3-0 on the week. Um, hopefully some of you were, were able to go out there and profit and, uh, and we're, we're one game away from 500 and, uh, and hoping to get or, or even surpass 500 this coming week. Just a couple other notes. Oklahoma State overcame a 12-point halftime deficit. Uh, they did rely on a uh, 85-yard scoop and score. And then they were also able to stop Kansas State's two-point conversion attempt at the end of the game to tie. So uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago how this this three-game stretch of Texas, Kansas State, and then after a bye week, Oklahoma were going to be the three toughest games 
on Oklahoma State's schedule. They dropped the first one. They had a really nice comeback for a win in the second one. Now they get a week off to regroup heading into Bedlam uh, to ultimately determine whether or not they are still going to be a name in the playoff race going down the stretch. Uh, absolutely have to mention Liberty beating Virginia Tech 38-35. to if you're, this is about as bad a way as you can possibly lose a game if you're a Virginia Tech fan. Um, Liberty, you know, the game's tied at 35. Uh, Liberty lines up for a 59-yard field goal, which I don't recommend doing if you're a college team. Um, it's blocked, returned for a touchdown. Virginia Tech wins. Oh wait, uh, their coach called a timeout to try to ice the kicker. Uh, so none of that counts. Uh, then Virginia Tech decides to come out and just to prevent defense. So Liberty decides to throw an eight-yard pass, get out of bounds quickly. Now it's just a 51-yard field goal. And with no pressure of any timeouts remaining to potentially get iced, the kicker for Liberty absolutely drills the 51-yarder for the win. I'm going to spend however long I spend talking about it right now, hopefully no more than about 30 seconds, but 30 seconds is too much talking about icing kickers because it's an idiotic thing to do. We we almost never see it work. We in, in situations like this, we see it hurt. And if you think there is any kind of mental edge to icing or not icing, the one thing that you should absolutely do is not call your last timeout. Because if you have a timeout remaining, you at least let the kicker think, oh, am I going to get iced or am I not going to get iced? And then maybe there's something in their head and you can just stand next to the ref and act like you're going to call it. And maybe you're in the kicker's head. Once you use your last timeout, now the kicker is pretty common Rex knowing that he's not getting iced again and this is the kick that matters. So Justin Fuente, you really, really, really blew that one. Uh, I have a feeling that that locker room could start to crumble this week, which... Uh, which leads into I'll just give I'll get my first pick now. I do like Miami plus 2 at Virginia Tech. I actually think uh, on paper this is a a really good game, but as I just mentioned, after a loss like that, I have to imagine there is a ton of finger pointing going on in that locker room. Miami still uh you know still has a nice season going. I imagine they're a little more focused. Uh getting 2 points. I think this should, you know, I could I could have seen it flipped. I could have seen Miami laying like a field goal here on the road. So ultimately, I think they go in to uh, Lane Stadium and get a close win. Should be a good game, but I, I just think you're getting a couple free points there uh, and taking the Hurricanes. Um, the last game I will mention from the weekend, uh, really just to celebrate a, a 3-0 and number 10 Indiana team. Uh, they, they handled Michigan from start to finish. Um, one important note, you, you've possibly seen it floating around, but the last time Indiana football got to 3-0 was 1988. Uh, 1988, a year in which the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship. The Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. And the Notre Dame Fighting Irish happened to win the uh, the college football national championship th- that year. So uh, let's, just, let's just keep the train rolling. Uh, no problem there. The most important note from the game itself, uh, Indiana senior wide receiver Wap Fillier. His, uh, his legal name is Mr. Elias D'Angelo Fillier. Um, goes by Wap, has always gone by Wap since he was a little kid because when he was in the back seat going through the Burger King drive-thru, he would always want a Whopper, even though his parents said he was way too little to get a Whopper. Um, so his parents started calling him WAP. 
which is funny because I have uh, I've gone by Dubcourt Pound Cheese Con for I don't know about 22 years now. So uh, I certainly relate. It makes a lot of sense. My only issue with the story is that come on, stop going to Burger King. I mean, Burger King is so clearly the worst of the burger chains. I mean, McDonald's is better. Wendy's is a million times better. You know, if you get out to parts of the country where you have Steak and Shake or In-N-Out or Culver's, I mean, these are all better. So Burger King, absolute bottom of the barrel. And here's the real, the real news is you shouldn't even need to be going out to fast food burger places because you should have some burger patties in your fridge or in your freezer because you made an order to DeBraga and you had the meat already. You don't need to be out at Burger King in the drive-thru getting Whoppers. Make your own Whopper with a much higher quality piece of beef. You can still get, you know, the, the special sauce and the lettuce and the tomato, whatever you need to do, but make it yourself with some really high quality prime choice beef from DeBraga. Go to DeBraga.com, order whatever you need to order, use promo code SCOOP, S-C-O-O-P, at checkout. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Still waiting to hear if there's been an order sent out to San Diego. Rumors that there's going to be a brisket order to San Diego and it's going to be barbecued up nice. I'm still waiting to see it. I'm still waiting to hear about it. Let me know when it happens, folks. If you're in the greater New York area, you can go to local.debraga.com. You can choose, you know, whatever day delivery you want. Better prices sometimes. I don't think you can use scoop there, but it still might be worth it for you, especially if you've already taken advantage of that scoop promo code. Something to think about, debraga.com. Really, really delicious meats. I grilled up some sausages uh, for, I had a house guest leading into, uh, for for this Clemson game. I grilled up some sausages. They, they couldn't have been juicier, but I mean, they were properly cooked. Let's make this very clear. They were properly cooked, but they were still incredibly juicy on the inside. You just, you can't find better products. Debraga.com, promo code SCOOP. This week is kind of a bummer in terms of games. I'm sorry this is going to be a Notre Dame-heavy podcast, but they were involved in the biggest game last week, and boy, there's not much else to talk about this coming week. I, I mentioned that four SEC games have been canceled uh, one of those includes Texas A&M. Uh, I, I thought it would be another week or two before uh, the guys at Game Day got on it, but if you if you happen to watch Game Day last week, um, I, I know there were some other news announcements going on at the same time as Game Day. But if you happen to watch Game Day, you might have gotten a good chuckle as they did the segment about can Texas A&M be sitting there at nine and one at the end of the season uh, in a playoff position. So I only beat them by about two weeks on that one. Thought it would be a little bit longer, but here we are. Um, so that's certainly a note. But again, games postponed. Who knows? Uh, who knows what could happen uh, going forward there? Um, so yeah, I guess really just boy uh we got Notre Dame at BC at 3:30 um if if you want to watch that uh if you want to watch that Miami uh Virginia Tech game because you bet on it at noon that's certainly uh that's certainly uh your prerogative um sorry i was just <laughs> wanted to make sure i found my picks here and i did um i also have another noon pick i like i'm going back to the shots um eventually eventually they're not going to do it for me but i don't think that's this day um, Coastal Carolina goes to Troy, um, favored, uh, Ooh, I, I realized in my tweet, I have an error. I put plus 10 and a half. It's minus 10 and a half. Um, either way, it's, 
it's 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 all deadly. Um, so I think Coastal Carolina they haven't won a game that close uh, since playing Louisiana, and and other than that, they really haven't played anything close to that close. So uh, I think uh, I think the Shants can get it done, and I also think Arkansas at Florida. Florida coming down off the high of the cocktail party. Uh, Arkansas is a competitive team. I think they should keep it relatively close. So that's why I like Arkansas getting 17 and a half in the swamp against the Gators. Again, let's just hope that all of these games get played right after this uh, records. I'm going to I'm gonna have to issue a, uh, a statement about my incorrect tweet. I uh, feel, feel bad about that one. Um, let's talk about Notre Dame, BC. Uh, historians and, and really anyone that... Um, knows anything about the history of Notre Dame or BC, knows that in 1993, Notre Dame knocked off number one Florida State, um, and then the very next week got beat on the last second field goal by an unranked Boston College in an enormous upset. You know, it's it's enough of a story that when the schedule came out and BC was after Clemson, um, you know, back back in August, the jokes were made. You know, this is certainly a thing. Now, is it a thing that any of the Notre Dame players or Brian Kelly care about at all? No, it is definitely not. But I can tell you who does care about it, and that's Boston College. Um, it's 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 a situation where, you know, Boston College is known for, for two plays. They're known for Doug Flutie throwing a Hail Mary to Jerry Phelan against Miami, and they're known for the field goal that beat Notre Dame in 1993. Those are their two things. So they're... This would just be another opportunity to notch a huge win. Um, now, adding a little bit of juice to uh, to this matchup is the fact that Boston College quarterback Phil Dracovic, uh was uh, was an Notre Dame backup quarterback for the last couple of years. Transferred out. Um, you know, not not shocking that he transferred out, given that he just wanted a chance to start and was going to have to wait another year. Uh, behind Ian Book before having two years of eligibility remaining, although it actually would have ended up being three years of eligibility remaining, given the fact that uh, this year doesn't count towards eligibility. And that's all fine. And then on the way out the door, he kind of said some things that, well, he said a whole bunch of nothing. He said, you know, eh, it wasn't just about playing time. You know, there were some things there that, you know, aren't going to come out. But the point is that's nonsense. He he wanted to go to BC so that he could start, and and that's fine. It's you know any competitor should want to start, but he he definitely rubbed some people wrong on the way out of town, and I think uh, you know he's certainly going to be fired up to play this game. Uh, I would think that uh, you know a lot of the players they they don't take this stuff personally, and I, I'm sure a lot of them are still friendly uh, with Jerkovic, but. I would have to imagine the coaching staff uh, is is a little bit extra focused, um, given uh, given some of his comments uh, when when leaving Notre Dame, and and they'll be sure to uh, to want to get the best of him in this one. From what I've seen from him, uh, he definitely you know he's someone who can make a big play. There's no doubt about that. Um, but his desire to always make the big play can work against him. So I would not be surprised if he hit a couple deep big play touchdowns that really. Uh, made some Notre Dame fans say, geez, you know, we, you know, why, why, why don't we have this kid playing quarterback for us? But I would also predict at least two or three times he's going to hold the ball way too long and it's going to result in getting drilled by Jeremiah Usukoromoa or maybe a Dalen Hayes on the blind side. He might try and fit a ball into traffic that gets picked off by Kyle Hamilton. So I think Phil will do some good things out there, no doubt about it, but I think he ultimately does more bad things then good things, you know, taking a sack, 
you know, having having the ball stripped out of his hands, throwing a bad interception when he maybe should just get rid of the ball. Um, so ultimately, I think this game will be, you know, competitive, relatively close. But uh, Notre Dame will will not uh, not take BC lightly in this one. Um, you know, it's impossible not to have a letdown type game. But the fact that they're going on the road, I think, always helps avoid a letdown. Because, you know, you're not just kind of like sleepwalking through the game at home. You do have to go on the road. You have to be about your business, uh, you know, stick to your schedule and all that. So I do think, uh, and then and then the added juice of playing their former teammate, uh, I think, will be a factor. So I think Nordine gets the win. Um, I don't think it's going to be comfortable, um, especially in the first half. Maybe Nordine starts to take control a little bit later. But ultimately, I think this is going to be a tight game. It's a good test for Notre Dame uh, before they have a bye week. Um, so, uh, hopefully they can come out with a win. I think they ultimately will really, uh, the, the only other game to mention is the big, uh, the big seven thirty matchup in the big 10, of course, talking about three and O Northwestern at two and O Purdue. Um, I am, I am half joking as there is a, uh, a slightly more high profile game in the big 10 at seven thirty, Wisconsin at Michigan, but Listen, this is where we are in the Big Ten right now. Northwestern Purdue is is kind of the marquee matchup. Uh, certainly looking forward to seeing uh, what Northwestern's defense is all about. I haven't had a chance to see them, but certainly they've been playing well so far this season. Um, with, with Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, that'll be an interesting one. Obviously, uh, you know, Michigan reeling a little bit. Wisconsin looked so good in their first game, then had to miss uh, two games due to the COVID outbreak on their team. So you got to imagine they haven't really been able to practice much. Um, I still think it's not super clear whether or not Graham Mertz is going to be playing. It sounds like in terms of the timetable, he would be available to play, but uh, unclear if he really would have gotten any practice time in. So you just no idea what to expect from the Badgers in that one. I think it's actually a good opportunity for, uh, for Michigan to right the ship a little bit, get back on track uh, in a home game there. Um, in, in a, in a rivalry that, uh, you know, I think it was just two years ago, they really dominated Wisconsin when they played at home. So definitely an opportunity for Michigan to get back on track. Um, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty limited slate. Just, uh, there weren't a ton of huge matchups to begin with. Um, obviously Alabama and LSU, uh, was, was supposed to be there. Um, but, but that's one of the games in the SEC that's been canceled. So maybe, you know, a little blessing in disguise, um, opportunity to take in some of Saturday from Augusta, uh, that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have been able to. So everybody enjoy the golf, uh, enjoy, enjoy the college football action. Um, go get them, Gary, and, uh, talk to you next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.